It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hello, and welcome to the show. Today is Friday. It's our Frontline Friday episode with my special and regular guest, Bridget Gleason. Good morning, Bridget. Good morning, Andy. How are you? I'm doing great, actually. It's a beautiful day outside, and uh, I know we talk about the weather quite a bit, <laughs> but it is a beautiful day. I'm actually in my California studio today, and uh, enjoying looking outside at the water and seeing cruise ships come in. Sounds great. We're fortunate to uh, be in California, especially having a having done a stint in Boston. I've come to really appreciate just weather in general, <laughs> or the lack, or the lack, or, or the lack of weather. Right. right? Yeah, we, I'd just flown in from New York yesterday, and over the weekend it was got down in the 30s, and there were frost warnings. There's actually some snow a little bit in upstate New York, so winter's coming. Today, I want to talk about hiring. Right? You're in charge of a high-velocity sales team. You're trying to scale very quickly. You've done this in multiple companies. For the people who are listening, I want to talk about the challenges of scaling quickly, but also the challenges of making sure that you do it appropriately, that you define the work roles and the jobs appropriately, and that you interview the right candidates in the right way and so on, so that people really get a sense of how to do it correctly. It's a good topic. I mean, it's, it's something we talk about a lot here at Sumo Logic because as you know, Andy, the the downside of a bad hire. It, it's actually quite costly for an organization, not to mention just for the individual. The, the individual doesn't want to be that bad hire also. So just, yeah, responsible, not only for the company, but for the person on the other end, that it's a, it's a good role for both sides. Yeah. So I've read a statistic about this about a year or so ago, I was doing some research that, said, research that said that the cost of a bad sales hire was seven times the cost of the salary. Gosh. Yeah, I believe that. Yeah, because if you think about the time you invested in interviewing the person, onboarding them, training them, putting them out in the field where there wasn't productivity, you look at the opportunity cost of that lost productivity, it starts adding up pretty quickly. Right, right. And and as we were saying earlier, not to mention the ramifications, the team itself and what the internal team feels like. And then, of course, that individual. You look at, you think about Glassdoor reviews and what might come back. If, if it's a bad hire, people don't always take that well. So there's there's a lot that can add up to uh, this being a really, this being a serious topic. Yeah. Well, let's start by uh, defining a term that you just used. I always like to clarify these for people listening. Glassdoor review. Yeah. So for those who don't know, Glassdoor is, is an, it's an independent site and it encourages people who are working at companies and have worked at companies to give their anonymous feedback and ratings around the organization. Do you approve of the CEO? What is the work-life balance? It asks for salary information. And most of the candidates Candidates that we talk to when we're interviewing here at Sumo Logic, one of the things they say is, gosh, you guys have great glass door reviews. You've got wonderful uh, approval ratings of the CEO. The people are starting to look more and more about sort of an independent, what are other people saying? Are people saying about the organization and about the sales team? Because you can also look at it specific to department and find out what they're saying. So when someone has a bad experience, they tend to post that too. And 
again, you know, we've had some of those as well, both here and at previous companies where someone's had a bad experience and it may just be a bad fit, Andy. And yet the perception and the bad feelings, it's it's like blasting it out on Twitter, but it goes out there and it's not something that a company can take down or refute. It, it just goes on. It just it's just put out there. So it's Yelp for employers. Yelp for employers is a great way to great way to describe it. And is it primarily? I mean, I've looked at it in the past. Uh, primarily tech companies, but I think the juice expanding beyond tech companies. I think so. I because I've been in tech for so many years, I I haven't looked much beyond it. But for, certainly for tech, and again, I I I can't remember very many interviews I've had in the last month where the candidate hasn't mentioned that they made a comment about about Glassdoor and going to Glassdoor. And we we definitely talk about it internally because we we care about it not just from a hiring perspective, but as sort of to take a pulse with regards to how people are feeling at the company in general and what are some issues that maybe are surfacing that we need to address. So we look at it as a management team at Sumologic also just just to try to make sure and and maybe not even stay ahead, but to be aware of what's going on at the company. And we do internal surveys and we've got a, a wonderful VP of people here but there's something also about being totally anonymous, external. No one's asked you specific questions. That's that's good again to take a pulse of of how people are feeling. Well, I think it's not beyond the shadow of doubt to expect at some point customers, prospective customers, will start looking at this as well. Absolutely, right. It's just one I measure of a company right. that you're going to do business with. Yeah, I think that's right. All right. So back to hiring then. So to me, it all starts with defining the job appropriately, right? One problem for bad hires is that you've hired people to do, well, you're not sure what you want them to do in one case, or you poorly define the role as a result, then you've also really hired the wrong person into that slot. So how do you sit down and define the jobs? Because, you know, you work in a company with some fairly specialized sales roles, and we're seeing that in general across a lot of companies, increasing specialization of sales roles. How do you define the job? Well, I'm going to start by telling you what we've done poorly here as an example of, a, as, of, of what I think sometimes happens. But so coming into Sumo Logic, we've got a job description for a corporate sales manager, which is an account executive, essentially, mm-hmm. that sort of SMB mid-market. And we have a job description that actually, Andy, I think is much more aspirational than it is real. It, it's the, the role that we have now is much more of a hunting role than we want it to be. So one of the things that I've done since coming into the role is working with marketing to make sure marketing and more specialization, et cetera, around the role. But sort of back to your question, the job description is what the, it's what these account executives should be doing if all the other pieces were working properly. They're coming together, but they're not working properly. So there's, there's a, a mismatch at least there's a mismatch or has been. It, it's starting to get corrected, but there has been a mismatch between what the role we want it to be and what the reality is as we're, as we're getting other parts of the business in line to support a really fast-growing organization. And for us, the challenge is the reason they're having to do more outbound is because we are growing so quickly. And uh, we just haven't had the mechanism to have marketing scale at the same pace that we're we're trying to hire. So I think part of the issue, and to your point, Andy, about being really clear about defining it, we've, we talk to the candidates when they are coming through about this is the reality of the role. But 
uh, we, we, I know, internally could do, be a, do a better job in the job description itself. And I think the point that job descriptions will evolve and change, they shouldn't be static. And our job description will change week over week, month over month, as the realities change around the job. And I think that's, that's one thing to, to you. Hiring and job descriptions are not a set and forget in a fast-growing org. No, not at all. And so then really, one of the problems that sometimes pops up, as you talked about, is your job descriptions sort of aspirational in terms of where you want to be, but you're having to hire people in a little bit of more pragmatic fashion based on the way the situation is now. Do you then be concerned about, or are you then concerned about a situation where you've then hired people sort of for the pragmatic, but then you start getting at the point where you're starting to be in your sort of aspirational phase, you're starting to achieve that Maybe these people aren't a fit. Uh, both are issues, and we've we've had both and and have both of them here. You know, as we as we vacillate between, uh, all right, let's get the pragmatic, and and again, then you find okay, it's gonna. I, I would say for us, what the the way that we're addressing the pragmatic to the aspirational is, we've got a we're it, we've got a pretty rigorous tra- onboarding and then training program. So what we're focusing on, all right, if we get them at the more that are more pragmatic so let's say a little bit more junior but they fit the role for today we need to make sure that we've got good training to help them get to that level so we don't want there to be too big of a gap I, I, I see more of an issue with the ones that we've hired that are aspirational how do we keep them motivated as we're getting to that to that place and, and we've got things in place uh, around that that one's a little bit hard that one's a little bit harder for me to really put together because right. they're they're more skilled and I'm asking them to be patient and that's not that's actually long term not what you want the salesperson to be you want them to be aggressive exactly and leaning forward so that's where we're, we're we're having to calibrate a bit on that one. Well, I think even setting aside the issue about, you know, hey, your your situation is so dynamic and so variable that's changing quickly, which is, you know, something that's very common to companies in general, not just within, you know, the high tech industry and so on. But the basic point is that for too many companies, what I see when I work with them is that they don't really define the job at all, right? Is that it's so aspirational that it's really just a series of sort of cliches, right? I'm looking for a hunter. I'm looking for an extrovert. I'm looking for... And they don't really talk about what they need that person to actually accomplish. Super good point. And I think that's, that's it, I was, when you were saying that, Andy, I was thinking about the number of job descriptions that I've seen and also a tactic I know that recruiters will do, which is they'll go look at other job descriptions and cut and paste. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 this is close enough. Mm-hmm. And like you said, you get a very watered down version of, that doesn't really reflect reality. One of the things that we're starting, we've put together is a, is a sales playbook and a day in the life. And these are things that we'll start sharing with candidates so that they see, okay, brass tacks, this is what the day looks like. This is what the reps are doing. This is what a successful rep's cadence looks like. So that it's not just a bunch of watered down, I need a, a hunter, quota crusher, high achieving, smart. Outgoing. Outgoing. <laughs> uh, loves to win. Whatever whatever the case may be. But we're starting to, to have it really brass tacks. This is what this is what we're looking for. Yeah, it's, it's so important. And I think for what I see as an issue with some of these same companies, especially in small, mid-sized businesses, is they haven't really sat down and defined that day in the life 
themselves, right? I mean, they, oftentimes they don't have the metrics in place, they don't have the processes in place. I mean, I've surveyed about 300 company sales process and, and 72% of them don't have a documented sales process, right? So how are you going to be able to explain to a candidate what the day in the life looks like if you don't even really know what your own process is? Well, and, and to that end, it has to be a living document that the process, it's not that the process is going to take these radi- make these radical shifts and changes, but it is going to change over time. And this is also not a set and forget situation. <clears throat> you have to be constantly looking at it, refreshing it. And that takes a commitment. At, at a, an AAISP event that I spoke at on Tuesday night, we were talking about tools and technology and process. And I'm a believer that process doesn't get implemented, but that you're constantly implementing process. So again, it's not a set and forget, but it's something that takes just looking at on a continual basis to make sure that it's refined refined and appropriate because the landscape, Andy, the reality is the landscape changes quickly and competitors are able to come into your market more quickly because of cloud competing. Oh, ab- right, absolutely right. Barriers to entry have been lowered. The barrier to entry has been lowered. So so things move much more quickly. And I, I know here also, we're in a super fast growing space. We're growing fast. We are also working to be more efficient. And that requires change as we go along. And I'll tell you, it's not easy for the team. So we have to be careful that they don't feel like everything's, they're just being spun in circles as we change the process. And that they understand, here's where we are and here's where we're going. And we're going to keep incrementally making these these adjustments. And so the sale, the, the documenting the sales process needs to, to continually be looked at. And then back to the topic, which is your the hiring and the descriptions and a little bit to who you're looking for. And I know in Mark Robert's book, which I'm a big fan of, and I, I firmly ascribe to the sales acceleration formula, he talks about the importance of hiring to the same profile. And I am a believer. We have a, we have a profile that's maybe a more, I don't want to say generic profile, but we know what fits here culturally and kind of roughly the type of background that backgrounds that we're looking for. So we're not making major modifications, but the nuances are important to pay attention to. Yes, absolutely. Well, good. Well, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk again about uh, sales hiring. We're going to talk about how you validate and verify uh, references that people give, which I think is incredibly important and a step that's so often overlooked, and invalidate the skills that they have, that they claim they have, and then talk about the onboarding process as well, which again is a dramatically overlooked step of the hiring and and, uh, bringing people on the process. So we'll be right back with my guest, Bridget Gleason. Hi, this is Andy. Connect and Sell is used by sales reps at nearly a thousand companies, including hundreds of technology startups and several Fortune 500 companies, to overcome the challenges of getting prospects on the phone. Companies using Connect and Sell grow their revenues faster by enabling their sales reps to have more sales conversations in 90 minutes than they could otherwise achieve in an entire week. Connect and Sell can be deployed directly to your sales reps, or you can take advantage of their outbound on-demand service which delivers qualified prospect meetings scheduled directly on your sales rep's calendars. Visit connectandsell.com to learn more about how Connect and Sell can start filling your pipeline today. Welcome back. We're with my guest, Bridget Gleason, on Frontline Fridays. We're talking about sales hiring and high-velocity sales teams, how to scale quickly 
first part of the show, we talked about how to hire job, job descriptions, make sure they're well-defined. You talked about the importance of having a playbook in place so you can give candidates a realistic look at what their day will be like, their job will be like when they're taking it on. So let's talk about somebody that's a hiring manager. You've got good candidates. They've made certain claims on their resumes or certain claims in speaking with you. How do you validate, how do you verify that what they said they did, they've done, and that the skills and experiences they say they possess, they actually possess? Well, here's what I've found more recently that happens sort of around that is people will, I, people will give you references. I look at those references, but more importantly, I look for, for people who know them who they didn't list as a reference. So I'm trying to find people in the network who may know them, but who they don't list as a reference. And it's in some of the positions here at Sumologic, we don't hire people unless we can find somebody knows them or another way to validate who they are and what they've done sort of externally before we even bring them in. That's not for to all the sales positions we have here, but for a lot of the more senior positions and the senior sales positions. So before you bring them in for the interview, you mean? But before we even bring them in. Perfect. We yeah, we want to know who knows them, how well connected are they. Uh, so we one of one of our criteria for salespeople is they have to have more than 500 LinkedIn connections. And we're looking for people who are well connected, understand how to use different social media and technologies. And typically through that, you can find somebody who's worked with them or knows them and can validate what they're saying or not. And that's, we've, we've not hired candidates. I, I, in fact, there was one person who came as a, as, as a reference and kind of got through the process and someone here did a back channel and found just some discrepancies. And so we didn't go, we didn't go through with it. Her, and the, the, her, the references that this person had given me were actually quite good, but that's what you would expect a reference. To yeah, be. well, of course, right? That's what so, you expect. And that's one of the beauties of the technology we have, as you talked about with LinkedIn and other sources where, yeah, you can do, a, as you said, a back channel reference check on somebody. It's perfectly legitimate. And you should be looking at doing some of that as part of your screening before you even make the decision to invest time in interviewing this person. Absolutely. We're, we're hiring at a pretty quick clip. And even still, we meet every week some of the uh, hiring managers, the sales hiring managers and recruiting. Mm -hmm. And we go through candidates that have made it through the first screening of recruiting. And one of the things we do is we looked at their LinkedIn connections and see who knows someone who might know this person. So that's we have that embedded in, in the process, in the hiring process. Well, I think it's so important for you know, listeners that are listening, you know, listening to the show, whether you're a hiring manager or CEO, whatever, is you have to sort of flip hiring on its head, right? So traditionally, and still most companies do this, you know, they'll do some screening of the company or through a candidate through on a you know, phone interview, and maybe they'll do a cursory look at their social profiles, bring them in, interview them, fall in love with the person, and then call his or her references after they've made the decision basically to hire them. And at that point, the references aren't really a checkpoint at all, right? You're not, there's no value to them because you've already made the decision. You want to hire this person. Exactly. So you need, you need to do that hard work, right? You need to do that hard work before you fall in love with them. Yeah, I'm, I'm in a hundred percent agreement and at least, at least some of it, at least no, there are some people I can talk to talk to along the way. I mean, it was interesting when I was going through the process here at Sumologic, um, 
the it, it, this was an interesting reversal. The CEO, before we got to it, like I said, midway through the process, had had offered to give me his references. He said, I want you to know who I am and what it is like to work for me, with me. And I want to give you some references. And I said, I don't need your references. I said, I'm happy to get them, but I've already back-channeled you. And he laughed and said, yeah, well, I did the same thing. <laughs> so, <laughs> Of course. Of course we did. So even partial, and this is what we do even in the sales hiring. Wherever we can sort of back-channel on the way in, the more we can get the referrals, we really try to do that. And as you said, it's really too late if you just wait till the end. Well, also, I think if you're hiring a salesperson, that the fact that they might come in and they haven't done a back-channel check, that's a red flag. In this day and age, that's a red flag because that would be the same thing, analogous to the situation of a salesperson calling on a prospect without doing their research. Now, it's not just their research about, yeah, I've gone to the company's website, I've looked at No, you're going to do research on the person you're speaking with, right? Before you go call on that company, not just the company. And so if a candidate comes in and they haven't done their own back-channel checking on the people that they're going to be speaking with, the person they're going to end up working for, then, you know, that's a red flag. Total red flag. And and Andy, I, I listen for that when I'm interviewing. How much do they know about me? And it's so easy. There's no excuse to not know who it is you're going to be talking to. And the other thing I would urge candidates to do, as maybe some of our listeners are looking for jobs, if they don't give you ahead of time a list of people who you'd be interviewing with, usually they do, but if they don't, it's okay to ask, who am I going to be speaking with? I want to be prepared for the interview when I walk in. Absolutely. Well, it's like going again, going on a sales call and saying, yeah, we'll have an appointment, but we're not sure who you're going to speak with. Right? Well, if I Why would I do that call if I'm not sure who I'm going to be speaking with? Yeah, and I think that's important that, you know, we're talking about hiring, but on the other side of it, the people who are interviewing, that it's just as important that you are interviewing the company and the people and you've done the research because making sure it's a good fit is actually the responsibility of both sides. It's not the the hiring, we as hiring managers have limited visibility You know, we're going to do our best to understand the candidate, and we're going to go probe in that direction. The candidate should also do the same, that we're trying to find, we're trying to find a good fit here. And I, I, it's a shared responsibility to find, to, to see that that's a good fit. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. So let's, in the few minutes we have left, let's talk about, you know, reference checking, skills checking, validation, right? I mean, one of the things that's important to me when I'm hiring people and working with my clients and advising that is that, yeah, if somebody says they can do something, they have a specific skill set or whatever, you need to check to make sure they actually have it. I mean, if you're hiring a technical person, you're going to give them a technical test, right? You're going to check yeah. their technical knowledge to make sure that they, yeah. can do, they can do the things that you need to have done. Yeah, You, you, you know, need to other, do that in sales as well. Yeah. The other thing we do is we have people um, give a mock, uh, we call, do it a, a mock discovery call and presentation. And a lot of people, that'll, that'll weed out a lot of people. But it's a way for us to check what, what, are, what are your skills around having this initial conversation. Yep, it's awkward. Well, it's, gonna, it's sometimes awkward with prospects, prospects as well. We do technical tests. We have them do uh, you know, a, a role play. Um, asking questions about how, how can you validate that? Like, how would you validate, how could you validate that you were 113% a plan? Well, and also, yeah, I mean, my 
my contention is that if somebody makes that claim on a resume, is they need to be able to provide you the name of someone who can substantiate that. Yeah, and we often ask to talk to customers and try to find people who they may have sold to or in territories they've sold to. So, yeah, they need to be able to substantiate what's out there because, you know, you can put anything. Nobody's, nobody's checking what you put on LinkedIn. Nobody's checking what you put on your resume in, in, in terms of you can write whatever you want, it's our responsibility then to go and validate. And yes, we can hope that people are, are truthful, but you know we can also be dilute, self, yeah, uh, self-deluding. Yeah, absolutely. Self-deluding and stretch a little beyond what should be stretched. And that's, that's what's important to probe for in the interview process. Well, in sales too, as any, and you have to, as a hiring manager, you have to keep this in mind, any fudge at all is a disqualifier. You have to have a hard and fast rule that if you find anything in, the, in a person's resume that doesn't square with, with reality or the truth, you have to stop the conversation because that's not a one-time event and it'll come Correct. up again when they're representing you to the customers. Correct. So important. So what's a really good question that you ask a reference when you're talking to a reference about a candidate? I typically want to know, I, I ask, what do, what do I... What should I know as a potential uh, hiring manager for this person? What do I need to know about the best way to direct the person? And so, so basically, if I'm their manager, how do I, how do I get the best out of them? And then the, the other is, if you were to, uh, what's, what's, the, what is their, what's their weak spot or Achilles heel or blind spot that I need to know about? So what, what? What are things that they might not see that I need to be aware of? So I try to I try to probe in a positive way because I find they don't want to speak negatively of the person. So I I try to ask around, sort of around to try to find out things that again blind spots. Blind right. Well, I think yeah, and you sort of use a question very similar to ones that I that I like to use. And I actually got this from a, a recruiter who asked this question, which is a great question. So I. I use it as well, which is when you're talking to, let's say, a past employer, or it could be even somebody that's very familiar with them. The question is, what advice would you give to the person that manages this person? Yeah, that's well stated. And it it's really basically the same question you were asking, but it may be a little more succinct, but it's just, yeah, it sort of draws out. It's not negative. Just, hey, what advice would you give to the guy that has to manage this candidate at this new company? Right. Good question. That's Yeah, exactly. And it's it's a way to... To draw, yeah, I, I try to have a conversation and not just have a list of questions that are yes or no, positive, negative, but to enter into a dialogue that will encourage them to open up and tell me the reality of, of working with this person because that's what I want to get to. Excellent. Excellent. Well, good. Well, Bridget, as always, thanks for joining me today. It's been another great conversation here on Frontline Fridays with my guest, Bridget Gleason, who's VP of Corporate Sales at Sumo Logic. Bridget, how can people get in touch with you? Twitter at Bridget Gleason and Bridget at sumologic.com. Excellent. So remember, everybody, make it a part of your day every day to deliberately learn something new to help you accelerate your success. Subscribing to this podcast is an easy way to do that. That way, you'll make sure that you don't miss any of our conversations with top business experts and sales leaders like our guest today, Bridget Gleason. So would they share their experience and expertise with us about how to accelerate the growth of your business? So thanks for listening. And until next time, this is Andy Paul. 
Good selling, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guest, visit my website at andypaul.com.